boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. What is up, everybody? It is the Aaron Meta Show. It is the 15th of December of uh, 2018. Uh, my name is Aaron, and joining us is my co-host, Patricia. Hello, everyone. Hey, And joining us uh, is going to be probably maybe our, f- maybe our third, fourth guest, I think, of the... Uh, of the of the Aaron Meta Show 2018, uh, I believe, and uh, probably our last guest actually, also for the uh, for the year as well. It's uh, Crystal from the Hol- Hillwood Dailies. Hi everyone! Hey, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, nice what have you? Yeah. So, what have you been up to since uh, we last saw you? Um, nothing much. I've been trying to complete my college courses and graduate next spring, and uh, I've also been. Uh, heading the uh, Hillwood Dailies blog, and I've been uh, writing essays and talking with uh, other Hey Arnold fans, and just uh, loving the show and being positive for that season six. <laughs> well, we're all, we're all definitely uh, waiting for that season six, and I'm really hoping that it's going to come very soon. And so, uh, what do you think of, uh, you know, if you had a chance to, like, you say you've rumbled around uh, Hey Arnold fans and uh, had a chance to, uh, you know, speak with them, what's their morale at the moment? How are they all feeling? Oh, they're, they're feeling okay. It's such a close-knit community, the Tumblr community so far. And uh, I've uh, had a lot of messages. Um, I've come in contact with uh, Short Mania, the, uh, the uh, author of the uh, Arnold, the Shortmans, uh, the <laughs> uh, Life with the Shortmans. There's a fan fiction that is centered around uh, life of Helga and Arnold after they get married and have kids. And uh, we just started having a back and forth about the Pataki family and their ins and outs. And uh, I've just been uh, doing school and talking with fans ever since then. Yeah, that was really cool. And so, uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, actually, I'm uh, somewhat of a fan of... Uh, I've seen more of the fan art of Life with the Shortmans, really, than I have read the fan fiction. And uh, so, I mean, for me, in regards to where Arnold and Helga ended up, like, uh, how things turned out, I, I do admit that I think that Arnold would still be kind of like the uh, the Buddha in the, in the center, except now he's, uh, instead of, like, living with a crazy boarding house family, he's now got a crazy family with, like, Helga as his wife and... Uh, sure. He's just got all these, all, all these crazy things going on. I just think it's, uh, I think that's really cool. I think in uh, in regards to uh, how fans have become so creative with it as well. And uh, I tell you what, though, it's like it seems to be kind of universal across the board. Like uh, I've seen uh, people now starting to say, like, "Oh, what happened if uh, Laurie and Bobby from the Loud House, you know, suddenly you know got together and had their own like kind of like family and everything?" So now you've got like the. Uh, you know, the, I don't know what they call it, but uh, that universe. But uh, now they've got this whole other universe where Laurie and Bobby now are the ones that have like you know twelve or thirteen kids or something like that, and uh, like uh, so. Uh, but it's kind of like, oh come on, guys, you're doing the Loud House again, you know? So, like, yeah, but, uh, it was yeah. like with with those two families just being uh, being uh, together, and it's such such a huge family because each one, Bobby and Laurie, have both have huge families and it would be interesting to say oh uh, maybe they did have something like their parents did or just have one and be done with it 
Uh, well, anyway, time will tell in that regard. Because uh, yeah, I mean, like, mind you, I think there's one problem is that um, you know, in regards to like it, it ever becoming the official canon, like I think there's something that uh, kind of goes against all these uh, shows when it comes to that. And uh, unfortunately, it is the uh, the kind of the gaping crater which is known as the, the Cleveland Show. So like oh. he's like yeah, I mean he takes on, he's like, you know, it's uh my name is Cleveland Brown. This show is not that good. <laughs> it ran for three seasons. That's free too many. <laughs> and Seth MacFarlane left. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what you know is that you know when it's enough to push Seth MacFarlane out the door, you know you got something wrong there, so uh, Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did I did steal that joke off Game Grumps, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm grump, I'm not so grump. Uh so uh, yeah, so anyway we've uh, shall we get into the show and uh yes, see let's do so. yeah, let's cool. Right, so uh, I mean first I think we need to introduce we need to uh talk about the YouTube situation and uh, so I think uh you know, in regards to uh, this, let me just um, take the pew for a minute. Let me just take the uh, the floor for a minute. So, guys, as you know, um, the Arrow show has been on YouTube, and uh, while some people really do enjoy the show, and I've had feedback from it saying that yeah, they really do enjoy it, there's part of me that believes that it's not really been that successful. And some of the reasons I put it down to is uh, the fact that uh, we seem to have always problems with subscribers. You know, sometimes subscribers will come on and then all of a sudden they'll just disappear. And I've actually had one person come up to me and say, well, I did not I did subscribe to your YouTube channel, but then all of a sudden it became unsubscribed. And so we don't understand why that happened. And so, and I've heard stories of uh, YouTubers actually losing subscribers uh, in mysterious circumstances. So there's that kind of going on. And also on top of that, there's the view situation. I've actually looked at our uh, views at the minute, and our videos are actually not being suggested by any other YouTube videos at the moment, like they were you know, a while back ago. You know, when um, we were, and I do admit, admittedly admit that we're, they were at the height of the uh, the Save the Jungle movie campaign and stuff like that, but our videos at the time were getting suggested by all sorts of videos, and now it's kind of like they're sort of like self suggesting themselves. So, effectively, if you're not a fan of the Arrow Meta Show, and if you're not, um, you know, you have to be a fan of the Arrow Meta Show to check out the Arrow Meta Show on YouTube, because, you know, um, YouTube at the moment doesn't seem to be put out any other suggestions for us. The one main video that seems to be getting the most suggestions is the Keenan and Kel video that we did. And, uh, you know, but uh, that was ages ago, and none of our new content since then has actually garnered any further support since then. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that people say that they enjoy the show and that uh, they um, enjoy listening and uh, things like that like uh, it just seems to be that that as well and uh, on top of that as well the podcast feed that we do is through iTunes Player FM Stitcher um, iHeartRadio it dw- you know it dwarfs the YouTube channel we're talking about like when we put a show on YouTube it'll probably get a couple of listeners and it'll probably get a couple of watches in the um, in the United States and maybe like one in Ireland and one in the United Kingdom uh, when we put it up on the podcast feed it basically lights up the whole globe and so, to me, it kind of like, the way people are listening to the show, on top of that as well, uh, in regards to that, when people listen to the show, um, and listen to it on the podcast feed, they almost feel obliged to to listen to it twice, which really, like, I really do appreciate everyone, like, listening to the show, but I can, I do admit to everyone, it's a bit laborious when they listen to the show and then find out that they actually have to watch a video, and then they have to go back to the YouTube channel to go watch a video, some people don't even bother with it. And so there's that as well. And also on top of that as well is another thing that most YouTube channels have also had an issue with, and that is the outrageous copyright claim system that is that YouTube 
put on. Despite the fact that uh, there's some stuff on there which is uh, obviously fair use because we're reviewing it and we're reacting to it, um, we had some videos that have been taken down because uh, of these you know copyright claims from companies we've never heard of, and uh, then they just disappear off YouTube and just can't uh, be found again. And uh, the only way now you can actually check out these shows is going via the podcast feed and listening to it rather than watching it. And so, I mean, this has been going on all year, and to me, I feel like YouTube basically has told me that they don't really appreciate me being here. That's the, that's the, that's the way I feel at the moment. So, you know, um, I enjoy doing this show, but if YouTube is going to continue putting blocks away from me, basically uh, making, this com- making my stay here as uncomfortable as possible, then I'm not going to stay here. I'm sorry. So here's what's going to happen. Um, the format of the show, come 2019, is going to change. And so we have decided that we're going to become a bit more video game orientated. We're going to become a bit more um, orientated towards um, some of the entertainment stuff that we talk about already on the show. We are going to still talk about news. You know, Donald Trump ain't getting off that easy. Don't worry about that. But uh, at the same time, also, we're going to try and go into more sports, WWE, MMA, things like that. And so we're going to try and vary out the show come next year. And unfortunately, that won't be on YouTube mainly. But we're not going. It doesn't mean we're going away from YouTube. It basically means that you're going to probably see less content on YouTube than you actually would do anywhere else. So my plan right now is to move us over to Twitch. And so if uh, we're happy there to be at Twitch, and if Twitch like us being there and don't interfere with our videos, and uh, are happy with that to go on, then I will happily go on, stay on Twitch, and I'll happily go on the podcast feed, and we'll just do the show from there. And so we'll just see how that all plays out. But uh, come 2019, uh, if you're going to be checking out the YouTube channel and uh, if you think there's going to be a full episode of the Aaron Metzer Show, come 2019, that's not going to be the case. There's going to be two more episodes left for the YouTube channel. There's going to be, th- there's obviously there's this episode, then there's going to be the Christmas special, and then there's going to be the clip show. And then after that, we're done with YouTube altogether. Well, not done with YouTube altogether. We're basically just going to be putting out less content on YouTube. So um, that's where we are with the Aaron Metzer Show. And uh, so for all of you who are listening, who are currently on YouTube, who have li- who have obviously loyally listened to us, uh, thank you very much for doing that. And uh, it has been fun uh, doing this show. It has been a bit laborious at times because obviously you can actually actually hear it in the show that uh, not only am I doing, uh, I'm a one man crew at the moment. Not only uh, am I doing the broadcast side of it, I'm also doing the production side of it as well. And so, um, hopefully the show that we're going to be giving to you in 2019 is going to be far more clean cut, it's going to be far more professionally produced than what we've got, what you've got right now. So, uh, that's where we are, everybody, and, uh, I hope that 2019 is going to be a lot more sm- plain sailing than, uh, 2018 has been. And, uh, so, for all of you on YouTube who've, uh, listened to us over that time, thank you very much, and I hope you'll continue listening to us throughout, or watching us, sorry, throughout December, but, uh, come 2019, I hope you all flip over to the podcast feed, I hope you all flip over to Twitch, and, uh, see what we've got for you there. So, that's basically our announcement for that, so. Okay, so, um, now let's move on to our news segment, so, uh, let's get on with this. So, um, in Europe right now, um, Article 13, uh, is, uh, currently upsetting quite a lot of people. It isn't just people who are just producing memes, it's, uh, content creators, it's, uh, people who, um, don't want to go through, uh, an ID filter to, uh, you know, when large corporations don't have to. I mean, here's the thing about this, and this is what's so crazy about Article 13. You know, um, a large corporation like Disney, or a large corporation like uh, Sony, or anything like that, they can take clips of the Aaron Meta show, and they wouldn't have to give me a dime and they wouldn't have to do anything with me but uh, if i take uh, if i rev- if i do f- uh, a review 
on anything Sony related or do a review on anything in that regard. Um, that's then all of a sudden that's the I'd have to be filtered out for that content and then that wouldn't go up because obviously the uh, uh, content ID and also some of that as well. They would need, uh, from what I understand, the way that it would work, they would need their approval for it to go up. And so, um, obviously, that's what's causing a lot of uh, anger towards um, Article 13 at the moment. Uh, but there might be some good news at the end of the tunnel, because uh, Article 13 doomed. Uh, Anti-Article 13 protesters sent 4 million letters to EU legislators. Wow. So, um, a position with more than 4 million signatures was delivered to the European Parliament earlier this week in hopes that lawmakers there will, will make what are viewed as necessary adjustments to how Article 13 is written. Uh, the goal of the petition, petition organisers is for numbers of signatures to reach 4.5 million. The petition closely uh, follows a protest against Article 13 by the music industry itself, with Universal Music Group owners uh, Vivandi uh, leading the charge. An unexpected pushback it suggests that YouTube has already secured some cushy liability protections uh, in a recent draft update. So, I mean, as you can see, 13 is pretty much the unlucky number right now. Like, uh, you know, for, for the EU at the moment. Because right now, like, there's uh, there's the music industry that's pushing back against it. There's YouTube pushing back against it. We're pushing back against it. You know, so um, hopefully this is going to be some good news for us. And hopefully it's going to mean that uh, the EU is actually going to listen and actually not pass this legislation. And uh, hopefully um, they'll let, you know, content creators like us just uh, let us do our work and uh, do and keep entertaining everyone here in Europe. And so uh, I'm hoping that's still going to continue. That's, yeah, uh, hopefully as well. You remember the fight that we had with um, net neutrality? I would, <laughs> as mentioned before on the Araminta show, we should definitely give, um, you know, more recognition for Article 13. And from the looks of it, it seems like it's working. Yeah, because, I mean, like, even on state level, like, uh, the net neutrality laws are being passed. And uh, it, it's also, it's currently, it's going to end up with a massive fight in the court at, one, at some point soon. So, uh and so, yeah, mm -hmm. tell you what, there's actually something, you know, um, uh, if this goes back to the Supreme Court, I mean, like, uh, I don't know, I'm feeling a bit more confident right now because, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Trump's pick, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, recently got, but he's recently now, he's now in the Supreme Court. Um, recently, yeah. he, uh, obviously, the, the Roe versus Wade uh, abortion uh, um, legislation was going to, uh, was being positioned to go back to the Supreme Court, um, rejected. And Brett Kavanaugh was one of the people who rejected uh, bringing it back for hearing. Would you believe? Hmm. So, That's uh, actually very surprising. Yeah, so, like, uh, I mean, if they bring up net neutrality and uh, they decide to hear it back, you know, I don't know, there's part of me that believes maybe Brett Kavanaugh might have uh, decided, you know, something, you know, a lot of people are kind of upset with me being here already, so maybe upsetting them more is probably not going to be a good idea. Like, I, 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 on top of that as well, I believe that uh, the justice system should be uh, independent and should be impartial in regards to in regards to these things. And so uh, I'm hoping Brett Kavanaugh isn't doing that because he's uh, feeling like mounting public pressure or anything like that. I'm hoping he's just doing it because, you know, it's a bullshit thing to do to, like, uh, give, uh, you know, massive corporations, you know, more say over, uh, you know, all normal everyday citizens. And like, and see, and hopefully he takes a third eye and wonders what, how on earth he would feel if he had all this stuff kind of, you know, thrown on him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, who knows? Like, it's just, uh, we live in crazy times, people. That's all I can say. Like, uh, that's the, that's been the theme of 2018, hasn't it? Like, uh, you know, crazy times of just mm -hmm. crazy stuff happening, you know? Yeah. So, yeah and yeah. things that we think are going to happen end up ha not happening. Hmm. I like to think it's because there's pushback from, you know, obviously normal everyday citizens. 
and well, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like uh yeah so I, i'm hoping that's just that's going to be the case but uh you know again i believe in an, an impartial ju- judicial system that's away from government interference and also you know pressure interference as well and should be impartial so uh let's hope that the system just you know works its magic so well um other news um i mean this isn't really much of a debating point really i think it's just more kind of like us giving our outrage to this but a seven-year-old migrant girl who was taken in by border patrol custody died of dehydration and exhaustion uh, a seven-year-old girl from guatemala has uh, uh, died when crossing from mexico to the united states illegally with a father and a large group of migrants along the remote span of uh, new mexico desert so u.s customs and border protection said thursday uh, the child's death is likely to intensify scrutiny of detention conditions Border Patrol stations and CBE facilities, and increasing overwhelming um, by large numbers of families seeking asylum in the United States. I recently saw a video that actually kind of made me think about this a bit more. And uh, did you know what that was? Mm. So get this right. Um, there were some. There's a charity that uh, goes out into the desert and leaves like gallons of water like, near to, like, trees and, like, uh, you know, into, into places where, you know, if uh, refugees are coming across the desert, they can at least keep hydrated by, you know, obviously drinking water. Um, then they found out their areas have basically been vandalized, like, thousands of times, you know. So, like, you know, someone out there, you know, with who was quite, you know, quite horrifically was, you know, smashing up water bottles and, like, pouring them down, like, you know, uh, ravines and things, you know, like, crevices and things like that. And they were wondering who was doing it. So they put out some more water, and they actually put in a camera. And would you be? And and it probably doesn't surprise me too much, but apparently it was border patrol officers who were basically pouring out the water. Uh, so they were basically going into the desert, getting rid of the water, and uh, so uh, you know, and hoping that that was going to be a deterrent for them to um, refugees to uh, get to stop them from you know going out of the desert, but. Here's the problem with that, uh, everyone. You know, if you're coming from a country which is ravaged by um, drug cartels, corrupt governance, corrupt police, um, people who want to hunt you and get killed, I guarantee you, a lot. if you're in that situation, which a lot of these people are, they're going to want to come over that desert regardless if they're going to get water or not. Because they're yeah, then, that's true. Cause whether they like it or not, they're in a life or death situation, and so if they if they if if they think that life is going to be uh, a lot safer for them over that desert, and all it's going to be is a couple of days without water, which you know um, I think is awful, you know, is um, they're going to take that risk. So it's uh, absolutely barbaric to take this water away. Like it should, if they're coming over to the fence. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, as far as I'm aware, there's no uh, stopping them from obviously claiming asylum because if you are, you know, if your country is ravaged by war or ravaged by gangs or your village is burned down or whatever, and uh, you have no way of living a normal life in your own country, and the only way you can do that is by crossing over and getting to a safe place, uh, regardless of uh, whatever factors are in there, then that's what's going to happen and you're going to need to somehow deal with these people. And so, uh, which which is absolutely awful because these people are trying to get themselves a better life for not only themselves but for their family, and apparently we just won't allow it. And there, there, are, I even saw a tweet uh, um, a couple of days ago of somebody who actually wants to raise money to independently help build the wall because apparently, you know, the government's saying like, oh, you know, we can't do that because it's unconstitutional, and yet. 
there's this guy who says, you know, I'm going to, I'm willing to, you know, give $1,000 to help build the wall. And everybody was like agreeing to it. But Patricia, I, 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 but Patricia, I thought Mexico was going to pay for the wall. What? What? I know, I know. But apparently, I don't think so. I think we've been duped. Yeah, uh, or in my particular room, it's complete and utter bullshit. What a surprise! Complete the whole wall. When I heard first heard about the wall, like for for me, I thought, yeah, this wall is going to be no bigger than a garden fence. It's going to be like just a little picket fence which everyone can just easily jump over. As well as well, you can actually climb over a wall, or you can dig under a wall. And uh, actually, I tell you, actually, here's listening. Else, and here's something else: it, I, the wall would be completely useless because you still have uh, people coming illegally from uh, planes, like and uh, air traffic air traffic control. Exactly. I tell you what, actually, and going coming in from boats and just everywhere else. I know. And like so, this this isn't going to solve the problem by just building something that's going to cost money that we don't have. Yeah, and some of that as well, like, walls at the moment don't have a very good reputation. They have one up in, um, they, they, they have one up, they have one up uh, to, to separate uh, Palestinian and uh, Israeli communities together, and uh, now Israel constantly gets accused of being an apartheid state. And then you have uh, another wall that we had here in Europe, which went right down the middle of Germany. And uh, that's caused all sorts of horrendous situations. And, uh, and, you know, you can definitely argue now that, you know, East and West is still somewhat divided, you know, socially, you know, to this day. But eventually people had had enough of it and then knocked it down. So, like, you know, uh, walls, uh, you know, in history. And also on top of that as well, we had a wall here in the UK which divided Scotland and the UK. And that's no longer, uh, you know, that's just basically a, a, a mess now. Like, because, you know, we came together and became a United Kingdom. So, walls, you know, no matter how far down history you go, do not have good, do not have good reputations. You yeah, know? I mean, let's see. There's the Berlin Wall, which uh, we which already I know said, yeah. about. Yeah, and you know, just said that. The Great Wall of China, which mm-hmm. we're to keep away from the Mongolians. Mm-hmm. And, and, now, and now they're an ally. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, basically, I mean, you know, is uh, I remember when Trump was first discussing about the wall, uh, he, you know, he was, um, you know, saying like, you know, Mexico was going to pay for the wall and it's going to keep away terrorism and it's going to keep away, you know, all these people who are trying to take away our jobs and take away our money and our home life and whatever, you know, take away terrorism. And let me ask, uh, ask you this. So, um, you know, have, have we've heard of like a recent terrorist attack involving with any of these migrant workers or any of these immigrants who are trying to cross over the border no actually and tell you what have they been involved in the school shootings have they been involved in terrorizing churches and um you know supermarkets or anything like that as far as i'm aware absolutely not but here's the thing about this as well now this is actually very interesting um recently here in the uk we have something called the prevent strategy and so it's supposed to prevent young people from being uh, uh, influenced by uh, terrorist organizations. And so uh, recently, uh, Prevent came out with uh, a, a study that said that uh, recently the uh, Islamist uh, threat, uh, the basically the re- referrals for, to the Prevent strategy from from uh, people from the uh, from the Islamic faith has now dramatically come down. And recently, do you know what's recently risen by thirty six percent? What? Right-wing right supremacy. Mm. 
So, so basically, more extreme right-wing uh, white kids now are being referred to, by by thirty-six percent are now being referred to uh, to the prevent strategy uh, for you know in case they you know decide to you know strap something to themselves, blow something up, walk around with a knife, and go crazy or something like that. So you know the um, the the threats to um, I think our society are drastically changing. And uh, unfortunately, our media narrative, our narrative, even here, even on YouTube, and even our narrative on, uh, uh, it just doesn't reflect that reality. And uh, it's uh, it's scary times because it's like I feel like you know, one of these days there's going to be like uh, I'm going to be watching TV and watching a news piece like you know oh, wh- oh where's all this where's all this right wing extreme right uh, terrorism come from all of a sudden it's like you know it's like it's um. It's you know it's it's currently it's currently here, and uh, you know there's a lot of intelligence agencies that uh, would also tell you that the same thing as well, and uh, unfortunately we have uh, there's governments in there who aren't taking this seriously, and uh, sooner or later there's going to have to be someone else coming in that is going to take it seriously. Unfortunately, they are going to you know do it wrong because government, and uh, it's just it's uh, yeah it's it's scary times, you know. Very scary times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, oh. I don't know whether to put this in the general news or put this in stupid news, but, uh, you know, um, I guess maybe this probably shouldn't surprise too many people, but uh, recently there has been... This is the case of Maria Butina, who uh, recently has pled guilty in a US court to being a Russian spy. And uh, the the great thing... uh, (laughs) Let me safely say this. This is going to be... I mean, this won't be the... The the thing that will kill the NRA, but I think this will be kind of like the, the what leads to kind of like the downfall of the National Rifles Association. I think. Yeah, fact- I think I even heard not too long ago that they're losing a lot of money. Oh yes, they are using losing a lot of money, and they're they're losing a lot of backers as well. I mean, there's a lot of companies that used to give. Um, used to kind of give privileges to the National Rifle Association. A lot of that's happening, you know, is going into uh, uh, boycott phases now. And so the NRA is losing a lot of friends. It's losing a lot of money. It's losing a lot of allies. You know, the only people that seem to be sticking around is kind of like, you know, uh, you know, that crazy woman, Dana Loach, and, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that um, crazy old man, uh, Ted Nugent, who uh, somehow seems to manage to find gigs to uh, play his horrible music. And so... Uh, that's that's the one thing I'm surprised that didn't has, has happened. Well, you know, their, their biggest uh, face I think on there has been Ted Nugent, and uh, yet he's uh, yet to, as far as I'm aware, there's still concert places, uh, still giving him um, you know, places to play his music. Now I'm not suggesting at all that uh, people should uh, you know they should you know sh- shut down his music and everything like that. If he wants to go and play you know bad music somewhere, then you know all power to him. But uh, I mean, it, I'm I'm really surprised that it hasn't got to the point where um, venues are basically turning around to, t- to 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 Ted Nugent and saying, "Nope, sorry, we d- we don't want you here, mate." Like uh, you know, go go play your music somewhere else. You know, go busk on the uh, on the on the, in, in the New York subway or something like that. You know, just wow, like so. <laughs> damn, Aaron. Yeah. Like uh, I'm raised by that Adam. but you know, going back to this story, yeah, the, a, a Russian agent uh, comes in, um, gets friendly with people in the NRA. Obviously, that leads up to uh, meeting all sorts of uh, uh, Republican politicians, and uh, yeah, it's uh, basically left uh, a lot of um, bad taste in the mouths. I think of uh, a lot of people, you know, both on the left and on the right, and uh, and they're all just kind of sitting there, like sitting there, like how on earth could anything like this happen? 
And uh, so, I mean, cause the thing about this is, uh, I don't know whether I would actually link this to, obviously there was the whole thing about, you know, the Russian investigation that Mueller's currently doing in regards to whether uh, the Russians interfered in the election or not. I'm still on the fence about that. But uh, in regards to, um, you know, this thing, I think this is a, I don't know, this feels to me like kind of like a separate thing, I think, from like some kind of like, you know, general conspiracy, I think. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if she does give any information in regards to uh, whether, you know, it is tied to, uh, you know, the current Russia stuff that's currently, that current, you know, Special Counsel Mueller is currently investigating at the moment. I have no idea. But uh, it's just, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is embarrassing, not just for the NRA, but for the Republican Party. And basically any um, Republican uh, politician that's decided to, you know, spill the beans in front of her and, uh, and obviously you know, to say, okay, well, uh, you know, hey, we'll happily have back-channel conversations with uh, an entity that we're currently, having, we're currently you know, using uh, sanctions over because they can't stop murdering journalists. You know, it's just, it's... Um, yeah, it's uh, and also they're also they're old political enemies as well from like you know the the Soviet days. But uh, it's just um, yeah, this um, this whole thing is crazy. And so um, she apparently this is a former graduate who was at American University in Washington D.C. who had publicly advocated for gun rights, uh, changed her plea to from guilt not guilty to guilty during a hearing on Thursday. Um, the 30 year old was charged on in July with acting as an agent to the Russian government and conspiracy to take actions on behalf of Moscow. Uh, prosecutors accused Bertina of uh, working with Russian officials and two U.S. citizens in uh, trying to infiltrate the National Rifle Association, uh, a group closely aligned with the Republican Party, including U.S. President Donald Trump, and sways. Washington's policy towards Moscow. Uh, Bertina's lawyer previously identified Russian official uh, Alexander Toshin, a deputy governor of uh, Russia's central, or former uh, Russia's central bank, as uh, w- who was uh, targeted with uh, U.S. Treasury Department sanctions in April. Uh, one of the two Americans cited in prosecution criminal complaints was uh, Paul Erickson, a conservative U.S. political activist who was dating uh, Bertina at the time. And uh, yeah, so it's um, it's just it's uh, an incredible story. And uh, I'm interested to see where else this goes, pretty much. Because they tell me, like, this is just this is just a chapter in the story. I don't think this is the end. Oh, no, not uh, at all. Pretty yeah. soon we're going to be having a huge domino effect. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. when, when one is found out, there's usually people that follow, almost always. Mm-hmm. Especially in uh, cases like this. Yeah. When it's this publicized. And, and against one of the larger corporations that the Republican Party backs... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, in regards to, I mean, how, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, you kind of, like, don't really know where to start with stories like this, really, like, uh, I'm trying to, you know, trying to fumble my way through it, pretty much, but, because, uh, you know, there's just so much going on, like, you know, there's, uh, there's all thing with Donald Trump and, like, that, this, you know, there's, there's this, that, and the other, we just talked to him about how he's, you know, the, the bullshit about the wall, and then we're, t- you know, there's all this, there's all this stuff with porn stars, and then there's uh, the relationship with Melania Trump, and then there's, like, him being, you know, uh, it's so incompetent in his job, and then there's the whole Russia stuff as well, and then there's, uh, there's all sorts surrounding this guy and you just look at it all and you think what a dodgy motherfucker this yeah. guy what well, this you can't help feeling like that way because like you know you, you you just read about all this stuff and you see what's going on and uh, then when you really probably look into it and you see all the uh the investigative journalists all going in there and uh, finding all this information about it it's just it's uh you can't help but think the way the way that's uh yeah, the, the the way that it's all going. And by the way, this isn't mainstream media stuff. This is stuff that's uh, you know currently done by independent media. You know, this is the thing. Our mainstream media, like you know the um, 
the uh, unless it really is to their political, um, you know, their narrative, like MSNBC or BSNBC, as I like to call them, like uh, you know, unless and, and, you know, I guess maybe CNN too. We 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 don't even use CNN as a source, by the way. And uh, so, like, uh, unless, you know, it goes to their political agenda, they don't really care about this stuff. But, uh, I mean, now, now that it's uh, come out in the way that it is, it's like, you know, obviously they jumped on the bandwagon. But, uh, yeah, believe me, there's uh, uh, other stuff, you know, I think wrapped around this president that we, that we don't even know about because, obviously, the mainstream media doesn't tell us about. But I reckon it's there. And it's just, you know, maybe we'll probably learn into it, but, like, you know, 10 or 20 years after he's out of the office and maybe he's probably, like, six feet under in his grave. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Anyway. So, that's our miserable planet we live on. Um, are we ready <laughs> for uh, Are we ready for the entertainment news? And, uh, sure. Let's yeah. get on to the good stuff. Yeah. So, and believe me, we are going into good stuff. And uh, I think uh, I can't wait to set Crystal up on this one first. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, this leaks came out for uh, Toy Story 4. And uh, they include uh, some... some acknowledgement of merchandise which is going to be coming out soon and also there's this um, this leak of uh, something being conjured up in Blender from the looks of it as well so whether that's going to be uh, officially part of the uh, the production or not we don't know but uh, um, Crystal you have a lot of thoughts on this so uh, yeah uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yes um, I, I believe I'd, I'd sent this to you I don't, I don't know if you had seen this before or not but um what this basically is, is there is a line of toy box uh, collections from the Disney store. And this came from a silhouette on a uh, site on Tumblr. And it is clearly Bo Peep. And we all, and since all the news outlets say, like, we all know that Bo Peep is going to be in Toy Story 4. What she's doing in it, we're not quite sure. And uh, we're not quite sure what she's doing in the movie since half of the script was scrapped when uh, Rashida Jones and the other guy left. Uh, but uh, basically, we, we're all speculating in the Toy Story fandom, like uh, what she is, because she, she looks like kind of like a nomad, sort of with like a shawl over everything. And she's still got uh, her clothes, which... Uh, uh, again, with the concept art that was uh, posted yesterday, uh, found by uh, Jesse Jane Lightyear, who I follow on Tumblr. She's a really cool person. Um, uh, we we have like our first look to what Bo Peep looks like before she goes into that garb that we have silhouetted in front of us today. And we're just really interested in what's going on that uh, I'm my prediction is that the concept art that was just released is a flashback a la like toy story three in the beginning mm. um a lot of people were uh going back and saying uh wait wasn't uh bo peep's clothes porcelain too and and then we find out it's not you yeah. know and and then we go back uh even further in toy story one the first one and uh, we see, and then we see a gif of a Bo Peep using her uh, shepherd's crook to uh, vault from one place to another, and it's just like she has like all these hidden depths that we don't know about her, and that uh, she is very resourceful, and a lot of uh, predictions have led us to believe that she has a key proponent to the themes of Toy Story 4, 
which is what is a toy's actual purpose? If there's like no kid, then what do they do? Basically, mm-hmm. which is which is uh, which is base basically g- giving us a lot of things about uh, sentience because we saw in the first Toy Story four teaser trailer that. Uh, of spork if you put like googly eyes and a child's imagination it can become a toy and even though and it brings up like different uh aspects of like uh existential crises that toys might have like a life or death or if i don't have a kid what am i and all that kind of stuff and i think that's really interesting especially for a movie that's centered around uh, just everything that we've, everything that we've known about the Toy Story universe now, is just that much bigger, as we know from the uh, press release that was given to us. Yeah. That um, Woody knows now that there's a huge uh, world for a toy, and not just being a toy for a child to play with. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, it's leaning a little bit more towards Brave Little Toaster in that aspect. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting because, um, I mean, there's part of me now that believes that Toy Story 4 is going to be the movie that basically explains how the Toy Story universe actually works. Which I think is, uh, if they do go in that direction, which I think if uh, that's the indicators that uh, seems to be given to us right now, that's going to be a very ballsy thing to do. And uh, because, uh, I mean, I don't know, there's a part of me that believed that the Toy Story universe really didn't need, I, I just feel like, you know, obviously the whole imagination of like, you know, your toy coming alive and uh, talking and uh, everything like that and giving it a character and uh, and stuff. I feel like, uh, I don't know, there's part of me that believes that that in a way didn't really need to be explained, I don't think. And uh, my biggest fear is, is that I think if they give an explanation in Toy Story 4 for how this world actually works and it kind of like lifts the uh, the bonnet of uh, basically the supercar, which is the Toy Story universe, and they realize that uh, the engine in there is not what they're expecting. I think that's going to disappoint quite a few people. Like, uh, I mean, like, uh, I mean, you can imagine how Star Wars fans were pretty uh, angry about the whole metachlorian, you know, explanation of how the Force works and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, like, I think this is, what, I think this is a huge trend nowadays in which. Um, there's a lot of people who are just so over analytical and nitpicky about like, how is this supposed to work? Mm-hmm. It's like with the argument of beauty and the beast It's like, you know, how are, you know, if this is an enchanted castle, how come some of the um, objects are sentient and others are not, you know, why is this, this thing and whatever. And so then the reboot pretty much had to explain everything. So I take it that this is probably going to be the toy story aspect in which is like, how are the toys coming to life? Is it like magic? Is it imagination? And if so, how strong does the imagination have to be? If the imagination goes away, does that mean that the toys will not be alive anymore? I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in this whole convoluted uh, way of thinking that people do feel that way and they want to see an explanation, that 
there's probably going to follow up to that. And for a lot of people, they don't want it because it just takes away the magic of Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, and also one thing about one, one imagine this is, if this was in Toy Story 4. Imagine if it was like, let's say, for example, it was like, oh, it's only uh, kids who can give imagination to toys for them to come to life. Imagine if, like, you know, Woody gives, like, I don't know, finds Bo Peep who's, like, you know, dead or something. And, like, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, uh, Toy Jesus or something brings him back, brings her back to life or something like that through his own oh, imagination. I don't. I don't think Pixar will do that. Yeah, I think. I I think. I think Pixar is really smarter than that. And and they've and they've had and they haven't had that before. I think. um, I think the best example in like a sense of that happening would be like the ending of Coco. Spoilers, um, where you know where someone is about to have their second death. And then the song brings them back to life. They they ama- amazingly put that into a perspective that um, that makes sense in the narrative. And I don't necessarily think they're trying to explain like how the toys are alive, but whenever the toys are alive, that they have a purpose. And what kind of purpose is that? Because mm-hmm. because uh, Bo Peep is a lamp. Yeah. Right. And Forky is a spork right was like it and i don't necessarily think that it's like oh how are they alive and what are the machinations of it or how are they alive blah 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 and someone like explains it like outright to them but that the but the existentialism of being a toy and not being played with other than having a purpose and then completely being ripped away from it and what and what that means to different characters because like Bo Peep's not a not a toy she's made out of porcelain and she's uh, basically like an ornament to a lamp and but Andy Andy with this alive object um, makes it his own and what does that mean for her and what does that mean for her now that she's a nomadic and without an owner mm-hmm it would be interesting though because I'd be interested to see if it like means that. Uh, I mean, keep in mind, you know, Bo Peep always had kind of a maybe like a. It was, this is the thing with Bo Peep in Toy Story One. It, her kind of like her character wasn't really all that explored that much. Like it did. I would say about one thing I would say about Toy Story is that uh, we, you know, obviously we see Bo Peep, you know, obviously use her. Uh, you know her um, her um, her staff for like uh, you know all sorts of uh, you know doing doing flips and things, but I think it didn't really. Um, I mean, we don't really know her as like you know she's never really had that kind of like second supporting role, if you will, in a film. And I think if uh, Toy Story Four gives her that opportunity to kind of like uh, express herself a bit more, I mean, dare I say we could probably see an edgier side to Bo Peep than we've actually seen. You know, it could be like uh, I don't want to say he's like Princess Fiona in Shrek because like obviously. Uh, I mean, I think, um, I think, I think both Shrek, I think both Fiona and Bo Peep are two totally different characters and have their totally different traits. But uh, I think if we see maybe a more kick-ass side, I think more of Bo Peep, then uh, we were being, we were kind of being led on. So it's kind of like, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons when the Yakuza came over and uh, you know <laughs> started beating up uh, Fat Tony and like his mobsters and like there's like the guy in like in the white suit and Homer points out to say, but that guy in the white suit hasn't done anything yet and you know it's going to be good. And then you like you hear like you close the door and then you just hear like all this stuff and the next thing you know he's doing flips in the in the backyard like uh, you know it's uh, 
I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about Bo Peep at the minute. Like, it's the it's the guy in the white suit, and you know he's, we haven't seen her doing anything yet, but you know it's going to be good. I'm hoping that what's, that's uh, that's going to be what Toy Story 4 is going to be. It's going to be Bo Peep doing, like, backflips through, through the window and stuff like that. So, like... Sure, yeah. sure. But, yeah, it should be really interesting because we've been hearing a lot of um, announcements regarding about Toy Story 4. The fact that both um, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks were emotional about the ending, whatever that is, and that Keanu Reeves is going to be in the movie. So, mm. um, and, and they quote, and they, uh, Tim Allen quoted this here from Tom Hanks himself that it was a, uh, a sprinkly Scarlet, I don't give a damn moment, <laughs> which, which is like, uh, with the basic like promotions that we've had, the first poster that we got of Toy Story Four was Woody like walking away and tipping his hat to the audience and a date and that's it mm -hmm. and it's like does somebody leave uh does somebody uh find out that somebody find Bo and then woody realizes that the world is bigger or does somebody leave does somebody uh does somebody actually die which would be really interesting yeah. um mind you like they gotta be careful who you kill off Exactly, like but, yeah. but but then again, it's it's like whenever Tim Allen and Tom Hanks have to like turn away from the people that they're recording their voices to and just like be into it like themselves, because because being an actor myself, if I'm going through something uh, like that, that's so emotional, I, I literally can't see people. Like, like I can't attach that to you. You have to have a hold of a part of your own humanity when you go into that recording booth. Mm. And and uh, I think I think it's going to be really interesting. And I'm just really excited for it. I think we all are too. I'm intrigued by it because uh, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued I, as well. I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, I don't know if, if in regards to me, in regards to Toy Story Four. I mean, I, I was like saying to myself, well, I mean, you've already had three. I mean, did we really need a four? Really? I mean, like, uh, so, but given that this isn't going to be the storyline, it isn't just going to be, you know, uh, the toys sitting around, you know, you know, wondering what to do. I'm glad it's not exactly. going to be like, thankfully, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to be one of those films. It's going to have some no, kind of I don't meaning. think it's going to be like one of those shorts that they've been putting out for the past few years. Yeah. Mind just you, think, think out in like a two hour format. Thinking about it, like, you really, you know, I think we kind of do appreciate how big the Toy Story world actually is because, I mean, there's a lot of characters involved. And, like, uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, they should have like Toy Story 10 where, like, you know, they, they finally go off <laughs> to find, they always go try and go off and find Bulk, you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, uh, that, that, I mean, I'm saying we should go uh, that far, but uh, I think, um, yeah, I think uh, we do. I think, I think now Toy Story Four. Well, I'm not a big fan of the idea of like there's now four movies. I, I think I can see now that I can see what's in front of me. I can now see it's kind of understandable in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's just hope the story's going to be good. Yeah, or else, and, it, and it doesn't turn to like a one note like romantic story that we're going for, but something like dealing with life or death, which. Uh, this is Josh Cooley's first uh, direction uh, project after uh, Riley's first date. So uh, having that new voice into the Toy Story franchise could be really refreshing. Yeah, Time will tell. 
And, uh, okay. Yeah, I can predict like one of two things that'll probably happen. Um, it's probably either going to be the one that's going to kickstart a lot of other Toy Story movies, or it's going to be the one that'll just kill it. And then everybody's going to be complaining that Pixar has gone downhill and stuff like that. Which, you know, it's going to be interesting for Pixar at this point because... This will be the first movie, I believe, that John Lasseter will not be a part of. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing, like, I mean, so John Lasseter wasn't really there for, uh, I mean, he was suspended for quite a long time, you know. Uh, yeah, that's true, but his name, uh, when we, wa we watched The Incredibles 2 together, Aaron, and uh, we did see John Lasseter's name as, like, executive producer, so. Yeah, but in name only. Really? Like. Yeah, just in name only. But for the most part, uh, you know, with Toy Story four, his name's not going to be anywhere near it. Oh yeah. So uh, I mean, eventually, I mean, this is the thing. Pixar eventually is going to have to go through people, regardless of what the circumstances are. Eventually, they're going to need to pass over to the next generation. And like, I yeah, mean, just like what Disney did with uh, you know the passing of Walt and the nine old men. Yeah. Well, on top of that as well, like uh, I mean, I mean, dare I say, like uh, I mean, in in those situations where you know you're not have John Lasseter around, and uh, maybe I would have said, you know, I would put thrown some more money in front of Brad Bird and said, hey, hey, can you just lead, you know, the next generation and get them ready for when they next need to take over. And like, hey, the Incredibles two is what like the fastest growing, you know, animated movie that was you know throughout a weekend or something. Yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if um, Incredibles three is going to be coming along a lot quicker oh, wait, wait. than almost fifteen years. Oh, um, Incredibles three is inevitable. I think if either that is going to be a TV series. They like recently it. had yeah. news that the next five films Pixar is going to do is going to be original films. Well, yeah. So, uh, um, but, you know, um, I think, well, who knows, you know, things can change. So, uh, I mean, um, true. Well, you know, like yeah. uh, whoever's in front of, you know, at the end of the day, I think if uh, the Disney executives decide, oh, well, we need to do something more Incredibles related, then, oh, wait, maybe they might turn around and just say, oh, well, we've made the money, so let's do something else. So, uh, who knows? Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, um, I, I, the one thing that I'm hoping that it doesn't happen is that, you know, Toy Story 4 is going to turn into, like, Transformers, the movie in which all the toys get killed off and then they introduce a bunch of new toys. Uh, well, I, no, I, I don't, don't think that will yeah. happen. No. They're, they're too big. I, I, the Toy Story franchise for me has always been Pixar's, like, number one go-to of characters that they can pull out and say, hey, remember these guys? I mean, like two or three years ago, they had Buzz and Woody, uh, after being uh, having their 20th anniversary, go up to the Oscars and present Best Animated Film, or have 30-minute uh, specials that people watch, and, uh, mm -hmm. and it's, just, it's just that one product for like me, for Pixar, that's always been great. Like, it's been from like good to amazing. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, we have Toy uh, Story Land, and Kingdom Hearts three has their own Toy Story theme um, yeah. level. So I'm not surprised if you know eventually you know Toy Story is going to become a lot bigger than it already is. Yeah, yeah, and it has, mm. it really has, yeah. and it's it's and it's the one movie that's changed the animation landscape since the '90s. You know, and and I don't think at all that they will have the idea of killing any of their main characters. They're, they're not going to. I, I, I don't believe they're they will. Do. Do yeah. 
Anyway, um, we're going to move on because uh, we're already 50 minutes into the show and we've only covered four topics. So uh, let's uh, let's get right into this. So, okay, so Friday Night Nicktoon podcast. Uh, shout out to uh, Casey and uh, Ashley, by the way. Um, they put out a poll and I felt like it would be an interesting talking discussion because they said, um, is Doug the show boring? And so, and I do get that this is not a representative of the whole Nickelodeon universe, so uh, we shouldn't read far too much into it, but I just think it's interesting. Out of a sample of 48 people, uh, 58% of them said no, and 42% of them said yes. So, yeah. Uh, it's a- now, now, I want to give to context for those who um, are not familiar with this particular poll, or even the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast in general. So... The Friday Night Nicktoons podcast is a weekly Nicktoons podcast that stars Casey Reed and Ashley Wittenkeller, otherwise known as the A-Wits, who's the sister of the J-Wits, who's very well known for covering Pokemon and various Nintendo stuff. So um, they recently did an episode on Doug, Doug, uh, Doug's on stage, that I actually recommended because um, the, the few episodes that they have covered based on Doug they found to be incredibly boring and uninteresting. So I decided to help them out saying, okay, um, I think the main problem that a lot of people have with Doug is that all the episodes that you covered so far have been about Doug. You should focus an episode about the side character. So I gave them, uh, you know, a lot of choices. And um, one of the choices that they did end up choosing was an episode focusing on Doug's sister, Judy. And, they did like it, but definitely, um, you know, they brought up the obvious problems about how the show is very handholdy when it comes to its narration, and Doug is not a particularly interesting character and such, and, you know, a whole bunch of other things. And so they basically asked the obvious poll about is the show boring because they understand that it's a very influential show, but they never really cited it as one of their favorites. Yeah, but the thing I would say about Doug, though, is that you can't really... Unfortunately, and I do get there are so many fans uh, of Nickelodeon now who are not fans of Doug, because obviously they... I think they see it through the same lens as probably the way we see the Flintstones. Like, yeah, it's the first animated cartoon show to come on primetime television, and uh, but when you really dig down into it, it wasn't the best show. By any any long stretch, the only reason why it kind of stands the test of time is because uh, it, they're famous characters, and it was like the, it was the kind of like the the fact that it was so um, revolutionary in the way that it did things, like the fact that it, it did say you could do a show like that. And obviously, you know, if it came after that came that was the Jetsons. After that came that was Scooby Doo. Then you know you can talk about cartoons later today. You can talk about the Simpsons, which was like a phenomenon, and like you know it kind of led on to like you know the idea of like the cartoon TV series that had like twelve. 12 episodes per season. Like, you know, it, it, it led to that um, revolutionary thing that you can do in television. And, uh, I mean, I guess some people will probably see Doug the same way that they probably see the Flintstones. It's kind of like, yeah, it was one of the first Nicktoons and it ushered in a the generation that would uh, go to war with Cartoon Network and uh, Fox Kids and uh, and the Disney Channel to, like, uh, you know, to combat for, uh, you know, kids' hearts and minds and uh, imaginations and stuff. You know, and obviously that they were there with the Rugrats and Hey Arnold and Rocco's Modern Life and all the, uh, you know, the cartoons of yesteryear. But when you really line it up to, like, say, cartoons like Spongebob Squarepants or Danny Phantom or Fairly Odd Parents or like any of the like you know the uh, I don't really want to call them Johnny Come Latelys but uh, like the the cartoons that then came after Doug like when you line them up like with Doug you can kind of see the flaws of Doug 
I think. And yeah. so I, I think that's where, when people say that the show is boring, I think, I like to think that's probably, I mean, people can you know, say I'm, I'm full of shit if they want. Like, you know, they can say, oh, I, the, re- the reason why I see Doug was boring is that, oh, I was there in 93 and 91 when it was out and, uh, you know, I thought it was boring then. You know, fair enough. But, uh, you know, I think some people now in who are growing up with Nickelodeon today who are probably watching, like, Nick Splat and, like, watching the, uh, the cartoons of yesteryear and they look at Doug and then they compare it to, like, The Loud House or compare it to anything that's on today and say, well, this show is not really all that interesting when you really think about it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, uh, I mean, I guess that's a, a debate in itself, but I think it really depends on what scope you kind of look at it through. Yeah, you have to remember that back then, um, the only slice of life cartoon that we had was was Peanuts. There was no other show like this. There was, you know, shows that were trying to sell the latest toy and they were, you know, always focusing on just merchandise as opposed to being character driven. So when you have a show like Doug coming out and it being like pretty much the only one then yeah, a lot of people are going to see it as incredibly influential and relatable. But then, you know, because of Doug, the late 90s were pretty much the pivotal time of slice of life cartoons. You know, we had Recess, Hey Arnold, Pepper Ann, The Weekenders, Lloyd mm-hmm. in Space. And, but but, but you know, they, so came, they so came in at a time when people were kind of getting a bit sick inside of like, you know, the silly, you know, uh, you know, unrealistic cartoon, and they wanted something that kind of related to them, and so Doug kind of came into that in, in that time when they wanted to have those types of stories. Yeah, yeah. and even look at the original three Nicktoons, because Doug is one of the first three. Uh, we have uh, yeah. Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, and Doug. Yeah, uh, I, I think like the large, the medium, and the small were the like uh, cartoons that defined certain people's childhoods and uh, let's let's also not forget that uh, the creator jim jenkins has come out with a lot of cartoons that are very quiet and are very uh character oriented uh very simple plot lines like uh pepper ann and uh pb and j otter on the on disney um pepper ann was actually created by sue rose, sue rose? Um, okay. i thought he worked on it never mind no he actually uh, worked on um the 101 um dalmatians mm-hmm. animated okay. series yeah, and then and- he worked on um pb and j otter which i've never seen before yes but- they're all really quiet like character pieces like uh, jojo circus the animal show with stanley and he he's just been a lot he Doug for me has always been the kind of show that I fall asleep to not necessarily as like a bad thing but that it's really comforting I think the, I think the problem with um, here's the thing about this I think what what uh, hey Arnold what Doug got wrong hey Arnold got right and exactly. what, I, what I mean by say that is is that uh, and I know it's a bit unfair because hey Arnold came after Doug and so I mean imagine if you had um, a Helga Pataki like character saying to the audience how awesome Doug actually was like yeah uh, and again you know uh, patty mayonnaise was somewhat that kind of thing but you kind of felt like doug had to kind of like drag the uh appreciation out of patty rather than patty basically being madly in love with doug if uh, yeah if and, and i have a great example on this uh, oh by the way i actually did a video on this subject so you can go check it out on my youtube channel <clears throat> anyway so <laughs> uh, okay so 
Yeah, there's an episode called Doug Rocks the House where Doug sees an abandoned house and Roger and the gang are throwing rocks at it. And so Doug decides, okay, um, you know, I'm going to throw rocks in it because I don't want to be seen as a chicken by Roger. And so he destroys the house in one throw. And Doug uh, sees Patty walking by and she says, Doug, you're terrible. And he's wondering, why did she say that? And then Skeeter tells her, oh, the, the, the reason why Patty's angry with you is because you knocked down her, 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 her old house. That was the house that her and her mom and dad lived in right before her mom died. And then, um, you know, that was, it, I mean, it would have been a great opportunity if we got a little bit of development in that. But we don't really, like, at all. We get maybe a brief discussion about it in the Disney version with the episode Patty's Dad Dilemma, in which when Patty's dad decides to date other women again, including um, their teacher, Miss Crystal, who he em ends up being, Patty feels very scared that Miss Crystal is going to replace her mom. And, you know, she starts having memories of her. And, you know, this was like right before, you know, her you know, mom gets killed off in an accident, which actually also crippled her father from the waist down. So, yeah, I mean, compare that to Helga on the couch. Hmm. I don't think there's any question on which one developed their female character a lot more. Yes, exactly. I mean, they really needed, like, imagine if they had, like, Patty Mayonnaise when they really, like, tried, you know, they had, like, a proper developmental you know, character for her, and uh, unfortunately, I mean, did it? Do they try to do it when? Um, remember the problem is that they tried to do it. I think in Disney's Doug, but I think they did it terribly. I think it was. I remember this episode where um, what was it? It was. Uh, I think it was like Patty Mayonnaise's dad got a girlfriend or something like that, and apparently she really didn't like it and uh, said. That's that's exactly what I just said. Oh, okay, yeah, then. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the episode. Okay. There was, there was also the episode with uh, Patty dealing with. That's so we were talking about the same disorder. episode. Okay, then that's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I do have another example though. Um, let's go over some bully characters, shall we? So, um, Roger, uh, there's this great episode of the original Doug called, um, you know, D where Doug and Patty are trying to uh, find out who stole the father-son wheelbarrow bumper stickers for the race. And it, it all points down to Roger. And the reason why he did that is because, you know, he doesn't have a dad. His dad lives in Bloatsburg and he doesn't have anybody to participate in the son, uh, the race with. And so he decides that if nobody is going to, um, if nobody is going to uh, let Roger participate in the race because he doesn't have a father, then, you know, everybody else is going to suffer for it. And so you would think that maybe there will be more episodes discussing about the fact that Roger lives in a trailer home and then, and the fact that he doesn't have a dad. But no, in the first episode of Disney's Doug, Roger gets rich. And then we do get introduced to Roger's father, who's actually a clown. And it doesn't really seem very heartfelt or anything like that with, um, you know, him and his dad getting back together. I mean, that's not even the main focus of this, the episode. It's actually about some kids wanting to see a movie that they're not supposed to because it's too violent, and that's pretty much it. The whole story with Roger and his father is an afterthought. Don't you think it's amazing? Like, you know, you talk about a company called Disney that has probably the most grisliest um, villain deaths, and yet it's not gritty enough to actually explore the fact that uh, Roger Clot might actually not have a dad or uh, something might have happened in that regard in the Disney version of the show. 
Like, you know, like the fact, the fact, the fact that, that Disney that got, got softer. Was divorced. But yeah, they, they, I mean, the fact that it was, uh, when I first saw, um, you know, that Roger's father was actually a clown, I was like completely disappointed. Yeah. But here's the thing, like, you know, it, it did feel like that Disney was basically was copping out in at least the Disney version of the show. And I don't know whether that was, you know, Jumbo's, you know, uh, that, that was their call or not. I have absolutely no idea. You know, the, it's interesting, you know, when you get into... The, you know, these discussions are like, why did they go in this direction? Why did they go in that direction? Well, you got to keep in mind, it's not just the people producing the cartoon, and there's also a whole executive branch of Nickelodeon, which is also, and on top of that, there's also going to be Viacom as well, on top of that group of people, which are also going to want to be calling certain shots on things as well. Yeah. So it's like, they're, they're, people don't realize, like, there's more at play here than people like to think. Like, it's okay, exactly. like, if you're like, uh, if, you, if you're just some schmuck, on YouTube, who has a Patreon account, and like th that's all he's got to answer to in regards to animating. Like you know, that's that's the only people he's got to basically not upset. But when you walk into like I don't know Nickelodeon Studios or Disney Studios or Pixar or Warner Brothers Animation or anything like that, you've not only got your boss to answer to, you've got basically the board of that company. You've probably got a, an overarching uh, organization looking at it as well. Maybe other finances that are involved as well. Uh, like you know, and also oh my god, those movies. Like I I would hate to think what the production meeting of the the emoji movie was like you know giving oh, like you know, God, please the, the, the amount of like executives <laughs> yeah. like wanting to put in their like you know their smears into that film like you know like uh, maybe like the executives of candy crush or the executives of like uh, the dance dance revolution people or stuff like that oh my god Th those meetings must have been horrible absolutely yeah. in fact i actually have a story about this uh, because uh, this is something that i did not mention in my um, video on is Disney's Doug really that bad because I couldn't find footage but I was there uh, the second slime book event from Matthew Clickstein where um, you know he had uh, you know various people from Fred Newman and Dan Sawyer and Phil Moore and you know he was um, having them over as like special guests and there was a Q&A that came out afterwards and one person was asking the question about um, you know, I noticed that the music in Disney's Doug is nowhere near as memorable as Nickelodeon's Doug. And Fred Newman basically answers saying Disney gave them a lot more restrictions compared to Nickelodeon. So they couldn't do a lot. Yeah. And uh, even Jim Jenkins, you know, he there was uh, even he himself is not fully proud of what he did for Disney's Doug because he was busy doing 101 Dalmatians, the animated series, and he was busy doing PB&J Otter that he was too busy to focus fully on Disney's Doug. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of like a... And no, don't, don't even get me started on, you know, the reason why Disney's Doug ended up having a theatrical movie as opposed to a direct-to-video movie. Oh, God. Just, oh, good grief. Ugh, so, God. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we've gone over our hour, so I'm just, uh, I thought we might just uh, try and breeze through the uh, the next bunch of it and uh, see how we get on. I mean, does anyone care that Piers Morgan's going to quit Good Morning Britain to leave the country for Donald Trump? Nah, not really. Nah. Well, yeah, he did. Donald, he's, in, he's in good company. Well, he didn't get the job anyway, so he still fucking yeah. sucks. So that's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> Bye. Okay, I wouldn't be um, surprised if he's going to end up like Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, uh, I, I'm waiting for basically, I mean, uh, tell you what, apparently uh, this is just what uh, they're saying in tabloid. Again, I take tabloids newspapers with like a gallon of salt, but apparently according to an, alleg according to, uh, an allegation from behind the scenes, apparently he pulled a sickie to actually go off to America to go to do that interview. 
for that chief of staff job for us. So basically, he 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 faked illness to basically go off to that job, and he and everyone at the Good Morning Britain at ITV is stunned. Apparently wow. that he did that. So yeah, wow. he he's gonna <laughs> if he does come back, he's gonna be severely in the doghouse. I think you know, or they might just let him get away with it because Piers Morgan, because he seems to just get away with everything, you know, fucking cunt. But uh, um, <laughs> anyway. Um, other thing that we're talking about as well, um, Avatar The Last Airbender Funko Pops uh, are now available live. They look uh, amazing. Yeah, but mind you, it's like, uh, there's one thing I want to bring up here. The fact that we're still bringing up Avatar The Last Airbender, and when did the show stop? Uh, the show stopped in 2008. 2010 yep. years ago. So, 10 I mean, years ago. I'll accept and now they're having a live-action live series on Netflix with the... Which uh, we don't know if it's thing. actually going to happen because Viacom sued Netflix for <laughs> yeah. coaching their TV executives. Yeah, I, I'll get if this is for like a 10-year anniversary. I'll totally get that. But uh, it's just like, it you know... Actually, actually, I do know why they're doing this. They put out a poll uh, after the Hey Arnold Pops went up, the second wave. And uh, it was it was between uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, Fairly Odd Parents, and two others, and it won. So, okay. so that's, so that's actually Funko Pops. Yeah, so Funko Pops actually going forth and getting what the fans asked for in a poll. Yeah. So that's yeah. really refreshing too. Mm-hmm. Apparently, well, apparently the one of them lights up. The um, that's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But you know, in regards to I um, mean Avatar: The Last Airbender, I mean, there's always been talk about you know them doing another book. Like uh, you know, um, I mean, obviously you know the the series ended with you know uh, Ang you know defeating the Fire Lord and then getting with uh, um, her name goes right out of my head. Um, Fire Lord Ozai. Oh, no, no, he defeated. Fire- no, he didn't get. He, he, I mean, he 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 defeated Fire Lord Ozai, but then he uh, he got together with uh, Sokka's Katara. So, there we go. So, uh, um, so he got together with Katara, and then but then there's there's always been this kind of rumors in the background of like you know they want to do another Avatar: The Last Airbender series on top of that. Like they've uh, been doing the comic books that have been taking place yeah. right after yeah uh, after and then was- Airbender, and it's continuity with Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all, and they're all canon. So, so but it's all about them animating them. I think um, I think that's something yeah. that's been talked about in the background. But uh, you know, who knows? I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, they almost attempted to do that with um, Avatar: The Search. Uh, you know, that was supposed to be a TV movie that took place right after season three. Uh, you know, book three, but um, that then Nickelodeon said, "No, we want to have season two of Legend of Korra instead," and that's when the comic books happened. So you know, I take I, that. I just realized something. I think uh, there's. Uh... There's something else I thought I felt we should have put in this, put in the uh, in our in our show today. And uh, did you? Um, yeah, I remember now. Um, do you remember the? You know, obviously we got we got Shrek two for the Dream Machine. Um, currently yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just posted last night. Actually. Yeah. Uh, are you aware that uh, they're actually doing Shrek retold, uh, where they're actually getting a bunch of independent artists basically to retell the story of Shrek? No, I did not know this. Yeah, well, uh, tell you what, if um, we get any chance to cover it on Dream Machine in the next episode, we'll uh, probably just touch upon it on then. So we'll yeah, maybe we'll, maybe when we talk about Shrek the Third, maybe we'll 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 do it then. Maybe, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, um, I'm not too sure how many people are looking forward to this, but uh, so Sonic the Hedgehog uh, is getting a live action uh, post. Action remake uh, made by the guys over at uh, uh, who did the Fast and Furious and uh, also did some other action films as well. 
And uh, recently, this live-action poster has recently been released in cinemas. And it basically looks like this. Oh, God, no. It looks like it's so creepy. Oh, my God. Blue streak, speed guy, oh Sonic the Hedgehog, uh. looking so uncanny, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, oh God, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, I, was, I, just... I know it's going to be a bad film whenever they don't even get the good pun out of Fast and the Furious and yeah. go Fast and the Furious and just drive everyone insane. Oh, I think they're Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I think the people will be turning up with furries. So, uh, like, here's, here's the thing about this. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, when is Sega... When, when are we going to stop infuriating Sonic fans? Like, I mean, like, uh, oh. just... Uh, don't you feel really bad for the Sonic community? At the moment, like it's like uh, their 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 fan art always seems to involve their characters getting pregnant. Like uh, their their fan their fan fiction always seems to them uh, their, their, their their fan their fan fiction always seems to um uh involve them you know having sex with uh, you know other Nintendo characters. Like uh, oh, and like uh, and like uh, you know like uh, unfortunately there was some you know lunatic one day that can bear that combined um, Sonic the Hedgehog with Pikachu and made Sonichu and uh, we'll try and stay away all the way from that but uh, you know it's just like you know we we um the culture just you know, just as a social group we seem to give Sonic the Hedgehog fans a lot of shit to be angry about. I uh, mean, what other Sega character can we really you know make? Uh, more relevant nowadays other than Sonic because they tried to you know branch out with other games based off of the other Sega franchises and nothing really caught on as much as Sonic. I know it's like it's just uh, but here's the thing like you know Mario's been around yeah isn't it amazing like you, you know uh, Sega Mega Drive pretty much won the console war in the 90s against the Super Nintendo. Which, uh, you know, I mean no one debate on that yeah no one can debate on that but yet mario is still around on his own platform and so and sonic gets this treatment like well it's just... i mean to be fair mario is being done by illumination and if there's any and if the goombas act like minions i am going to scream well i, I don't think they're going to make them into minions i don't think but uh good. i swear oh. to god if this movie is better than an illumination project then we've got something to worry about i, I yeah i yeah. think but uh yeah, how funny is that going to be? Like, let's say the Super Mario movie that's made by Illumination that brought us them bloody minions is going to probably be a better movie than once again Sonic the Hedgehog, which is made by like Fast and the the guys who made Fast and the Furious and uh, any other cool movie that you can name, like you know, which is in that like demographic, if you will. Oh, uh-huh. like uh, yeah, it's just it's uh, yeah, it's just it's uh, it's uh, it's sad times, I think. Like uh, Sonic deserves better. In my in my opinion, like uh, yeah. I think he's been he's been you know like in Japan he's treated with a, a lot more respect. You know, yeah, I, Sonic, I, Sonic Japan. Uh, I mean, Sonic Japan, Sega Japan, and Sega of America are very different when it comes to their treatment of Sonic. Mm-hmm. Now this thing here apparently was they don't know if it, we don't know if it's real or not or anything like that, but uh, uh, I mean this is another rumored. Um, poster that's apparently that's what he's going to somewhat look like. It looks like to me like that's probably like an earlier version of him, in my opinion. And they've obviously yeah. bulked him up since then and uh, make him look like he can actually. Because there, he looks like he's. Uh, I mean, he uh, looks like a cartoon, but he doesn't look too bad. Well, no, like to me, it doesn't look like he, he runs anywhere at all. To me, he looks too. He looks too. He, he doesn't look physically like an athlete, if you will. Like he doesn't look like he can actually run like at the speed of sound, if you will. Like, uh, I mean, at least, to, to be fair to the silhouette poster, 
that came out. Uh, when you saw how toned he was, like, he can actually be believable that like, he can run, like, you know, like a million miles an hour. Like, uh, and that. So, I mean, I take that away from it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I am a bit concerned about what on earth this character is going to end up being and uh, what they're going to do with him. And uh, whether they have any grasp of character or not is going to be kind of worried. Like, uh, you know, like... Uh, yeah, well, at least we can safely say this. At least he won't be pregnant. So uh, I guess that's one. F f uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and at least, uh, you know, Princess Alicia is not going to be in the movie. Mm hmm. Okay, so um, there. I do apologize. Uh, there was a few things that um, uh, I've actually missed out on here, which uh, is kind of weird. So uh, once again, I. Yeah, again, like, as you can see, we're. Uh, doing production on the show again, which I don't really like. But anyway, Carmen San Diego. Um first images have arrived. Woohoo. And uh, I'm, so, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I think uh sure I mean I, I'd like to see a move though. Like uh, I mean do you yeah. remember when do you remember when they did the magic school bus and it all looks a bit jagged? Like uh I mean I'm a bit yeah. I wanna see how this animates. And I do get that, you know, uh Shira's come to like, you know, a massive lot of praise. But, uh, I mean, uh, it I looks want... like it doesn't have any outlines, which is very like Samurai Jack esque to me. Hmm. And, and, uh, I never if... thought of that actually. Yeah, it does actually. Think and, it, uh, and I think the way it, with the way it should move would be basically like something like Into the Spider Verse, or have you ever seen the Nickelodeon show The X's? Um, like how uh... that show moved? I, I think that would be a a great way for it to be animated and hopefully it's like that because that because that uh, animation style looks very distinct and interesting enough to have its own distinct movement mm -hmm. i'm just trying to think because at the moment like uh, are they putting carmen san diego as the antagonist of the show or are they doing her as the protagonist of the show I, I don't know. Yeah, because she's always been the... As far as I'm aware, every incarnation is Carmen San Diego. She's always been the antagonist. Yeah, she so, always like, has been the... Yeah, she's always been the antagonist. Yeah. Mind you, they made her, they made her pretty good looking. So, like... Uh, yeah, <laughs> so... Uh, but, uh, you know, in... Uh, I mean, mind you, looking at... He's saying that it was like Samurai, Samurai Jack kind of like before. Imagine, like, you know, where Carmen San Diego is something unspeakable evil and here comes Samurai Jack like... Argh! You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Carmen San Diego would steal his sword. Oh, yeah, she would steal his sword, his robes, and anything around him without even batting an eye. Okay. So uh, anyway, well, um, let's see how this turns out, and uh, hopefully, it's going to uh, be pretty cool. So uh, yeah, um, we have some. Okay, we've got some uh, stupid videos to react to. So uh, everyone ready? I'm yeah, ready. Okay. Here we go. Okay, so those of you who aren't familiar with Binkoff's Battleground, he, he actually, what he does is, he's got his own uh, Patreon, he's got his own website, Binkoff.com, and uh, he basically uh, does um, um, theoretical wars. So he like says, what would happen if like France and Germany fought each other? What happened if uh, you know um, the other countries like fought each other? What happens if America and Russia, you know, God forbid, went into a nuclear war and killed everybody? Like I say, so oh. he he basically takes all the uh, information and uh, d does all this. And so he, this is a Christmas version that he did that uh, someone wanted to share with us because I'm a fan of Binkoff, so uh, I wanted to have a look at it. Ho, ho, ho! One important question is always left unanswered at these holiday times. Whose Santa is THE Santa? 
People say there's just one Santa Claus, but how come there's a multitude of them seen around the world? How come? Well, like, well, we call Marx is not Santa Claus. Mr. T. Okay. There are many Santa Claus's homes and workshops around. Such a wide-spanning network of operative cells and such a deep infiltration into so many homes through unsuspecting-looking toys suggests an almost mythical intelligence network, one that could put CIA or KGB to shame. The US Santa Service has its headquarters up in the North Pole. Town of North Pole, Alaska, that is. But the US is not the only one featuring such advanced elven-powered military intelligence service. Many countries claim they're home to Santa, most of them are full of it. Though there is one other big contender, the Santa Claus home in Finland. Both claim they are the real home to Santa. US Santa home even has an official US post office zip code, where unsuspecting children are encouraged to write to real Santa. So if we are to settle once and for all, who's the real tough Santa? Who would win? Oh, but for both of you who were expecting this video to be educational, let's mention that the person most commonly accepted to have started it all was Saint Nicholas, a Greek bishop born in 3rd century in present-day Turkey. Okay, enough with the facts. Who'd kick whose ass? Finnish Santa has experience on his side. Rovaniemi was his hometown for longer than US Santa had a home. But US Santa was a more cunning businessman, apparently. He built his house there much earlier and started selling himself. So what if there were- Ho ho ho! Merry capitalism! It's <laughs> <laughs> a large operation needing many men. US Santa has less population to mobilize in his immediate surroundings. Town of the North Pole has little over 2,000 residents. Finnish town is much larger at 62,000. But how could either of them get rid of the other? For Santa, flying is no problem. His flying sled could get him over the pole in no time. But Finnish Santa would. Why does his Why does his sleigh have a turret? <laughs> They're fighting a war. Uh, um, okay. I mean, isn't it obvious? I mean, there's so many other Santas, and he wants to be the only Santa, so he has a turret in case any flying Santas come by, and he can be able to shoot them down. Okay, um, this is getting very serious all of a sudden. Have trouble using <laughs> all the manpower available to him, as the sled is unlikely to hold many people. Same issue could hamper US Santa's airborne raids. It is thus likely both Santas would perform attacks either themselves or send in squads of commando elves, fast roping from the sled. And there's always the unknown factor of the magical gift bag. Who's to say what sort of ordinance can fit in such a bag? Well, I mean, if we use the Santa Claus as a term of reference, I guess you could say you could shove quite a lot of stuff in a bag, maybe. I don't know about an entire tank, though. I'm not sure if... Uh... Oh, who 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 was it who played? Who was it in the Santa Claus? Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Okay, I'm not too sure if Tim Allen could fit an entire like you know Panzer tank. I think uh, inside that bag, but uh, you no, know. No, I think that it was probably going to be Robo Santa from Futurama. Okay, well, uh, nice. I'm sure we'll find out in the Santa Claus Six. If defending, U.S. Santa <laughs> would have the protection of an actual U.S. Air Force base close by, but Finnish Santa would enjoy the protection of a both Jaeger Infantry Brigade and Rovaniemi Air Force base. Would you consider? I guess you would consider Santa Claus a, a U.S. ally, I guess, because they always seem to. Well, they always seem to kind of track him when, uh, obviously, uh, you know, is it the, is the Air Force, isn't it, who tracks Santa? Are we going across the North Pole, or who is? Is it NASA, or I can't remember who it is. Um, who does uh, like all are, are, oh, you're referring to. Um... What was it like? You know when uh, they look at him on the radar and tell all the kids yeah, where he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Is I think it, it was. Um, was it NORAD? Uh, 
Yeah, I think it was the Air Force. Yeah, I, d- I can't remember, but uh, yeah. So I guess uh, I guess they would come to Santa's defense. I guess if he was ever attacked. Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> infiltration seems the best course of action. Possible issue for U.S. Santa would be its high-tech sled, which is rumored to be designed by Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. Last known variant had poor availability and came in over budget. Finnish Santa's estate is much larger, easier to infiltrate, but harder to hold down. With all that in mind, it could come down to hand-to-hand combat. Finnish Santa, as seen in this secretly taken image, seems a bit older and more slender. There's nothing there. Okay. But with an organized army of lookalike decoys, true identity of either one is hard to come by. But there is another Santa possibly vying for the crown. There is a legend of a house and a workshop at the actual North Pole. If so, it might be an independent Santa, void of nationality. No one has been able to find his home, as satellite scans show just empty ice. Theories are abound, from a submarine base operating under the ice to a stealthy, always-in-the-air bomber. Oh, do, you, do you remember the warm story that your parents would tell you of uh, Santa flying around in a stealth bomber to stop him from being traced from it? <laughs> by, I don't know, international terrorists or something like that? Or like, when he was like... Like, you know, like, I... And also, uh, the the uh, submarine sounds like something like, you know, what happened after Skynet took over the world and, like, Terminators were roaming around the place. Was, I guess Santa, I guess, was uh, living in a submarine also under the water at that time, I guess. Then there are those who claim the actual house is there, but protected by an advanced cloaking device. Who's to say what near-magical-level firepower such a Santa would have? Hey, what travesty is this? Who are you? He's onto us! Quick, Maskirovka! I will not tolerate such nonsense. Everyone knows that one true Santa is actually Russian, Dead Moroz. He knows all, (laughs) sees all, and gives out the best prezies. So don't be more naughty than nice. Did you know you can buy Binkov's t-shirts? Hop over to our store at binkov.com and pick a design you like. It doesn't have to be just a t-shirt, there's all sorts of goodies waiting for you. Get in touch with your inner commissar. As usual, feel free to subscribe. Oh well, yeah, subscribe to Bingo's Battleground. It, it is actually quite a fun okay. website to be. I'm gonna on. check it out after this. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, like, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he, he actually does some really interesting uh, war analysis and uh, why you know he kind of gives you an understanding of why uh, why some countries don't attack each other because they know that they're not gonna do very well. So. Uh, like, like for example, there's one there that's Norway versus Sweden, and it's because um, you know the, the 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 top border is so snowy and so uh, so harsh in regards to uh, the density of the forest that uh, they can't you know push it push any further or anything like that would kind of justify you know invading the country. So. Uh... Yeah, that's true. So essentially, what we have here is that there are multiple Santas. They have tanks, turrets, bombs, submarines, and they're spreading love and joy for all the kitties. Santa so. Claus is gunning you down. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's fun. All right, let's uh, watch another one. Aww. Okay, a bit less Christmassy now. So, um, this is a, um, apparently this Japanese, um, guard, his, pretty much his main job is to stop cats from getting into this building. 
there must be a reason why he wants to go in there. But I have an interesting question about this. Why has this not been turned into an anime yet? Can you... I have no idea. Can you they, they, they will do it eventually. Eric. No, it, 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 it's the pilot different. of Sailor Moon. <laughs> Fighting cats at the doorstep. Fighting felines at the food court. <laughs> yes. Oh, there's Luna right over there. Oh. I got someone behaving itself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, that's so cute. Well, you know what? After, you know, given what some security guards have to go through, I think they actually kind of hope this is the only thing they ever deal with. I mean, this is Japan. Japan has one of the lowest places when it comes to crime. So much so that they're so bored that sometimes they even create their own little crime scenes. So if they have to deal with cats, that would be like one of the best places to be around. Okay. All right, then. Uh, last video of the day. So uh, are you ready for it? That's it. <laughs> this is the kid that George Orwell was warning us about. <sighs> oh my goodness. That's incredibly dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, tell you what, actually, is this the new Shining sequel. Tell you what, actually, I wonder if I can. Uh, I wonder if I can repeat this. So, uh, you cannot escape my voice. Uh, don't know if that works or not. Uh, it did. I did <laughs> <It's> it. <funny. laughs> I can do it too. <laughs> Yeah, so there are some kids you sh there are some toys you shouldn't get kids for Christmas, and that's one of them. So, uh, cool. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's the end of the show. So, uh, all right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on by, Crystal. Oh, thank you. Okay, so um, yeah, it's um, facebook.com forward slash Arrowmeta show. Uh, Twitter is at Arrowmeta show, Arrowmeta.tumblr.com, and youtube.com forward slash Arrowmeta show, but uh, for not much longer, I don't think. Uh, iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Castbox. Uh, also, uh, we're going to be available hopefully on my tuner soon, and also we're available on TuneIn as well. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, guys, uh, pretty much this is somewhat like this the official blast show. Uh, me and Patricia are going to be doing the Christmas special next week. And uh, also, uh, we got the clip show coming up at the very end of the, sh of the year yep. because that's what we do. So, uh, mm -hmm. so for me, Aaron. And Patricia. And also, um, yeah, so Crystal, thank you very much for being on the show. 
Yeah, no problem. Okay. I always enjoy this. Okay. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks for being on the... Thanks for also everyone here on 2018. Thank you very much for checking out the Arrow Metro Show on YouTube. We'll be seeing you next year on Twitch and also on the podcast feed, so uh, make sure you subscribe to that. So take care. God bless. Bye for now.